Yo, 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 everybody out there. This is another episode of the Archipreneur Now podcast, episode 71. Ooh-wee. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and I am pumped up to have you here today and every other day that we get to share another fantastic episode of The Entrepreneur Now with each other. I'm so humbled to be here to be able to bring these amazing guests on the show to create the value that can lead to being a staple in your life to let you realize that it is entirely possible to follow the life you love, to create the life of your dreams. All it takes is a commitment, a relentless pursuit, and positive thoughts. Don't let the stress get to you. Just keep on keeping on and no other better to talk about keeping on than my guest today, Steve Bird, an artist who made a comeback out of the UK. He, he used to paint, he gave it all up, and now he's coming back again. He, he realized that it was his passion. Uh, he gave it all up and he, and he wants it back. And it's a brilliant, brilliant story. And he kind of lives by the keeping the game, keeping the game and keep moving forward. Uh, just just trigger engagement from people and, and things can be super powerful. He does this amazing thing where he lets people send him photographs and then he'll actually paint these photographs for you and send them back. And he started it all out by triggering this kind of campaign online where he was letting people send them photos. He would paint them for free, and then if they liked them enough, uh, they could buy them from him if they wanted. But what a, what a brilliant way to get engagement from your users. And we get into all that. We get into how to, to build a process around engagement, and then even using social media to trigger that engagement. And And we talk about his digital live paintings and then why, why being persistent is just insanely important if you want to get back up on your feet and become a champion that you are bring out that inner champion everybody run around do the jive put your hands up in the air i want to see two fists fist pump all day every day enthusiasm is infectious everybody be happy be joyful around the people that you are usually around during the day and you will see it rub off on them and it'll change their day for the better uh, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in a cubicle moping or if you're on top of a mountain fist pumping. The way you act affects those around you, and it can be an infectious thing. If you start fist pumping in that cubicle of yours, someone around you is going to see it and be like, what the hell are they doing? And you can smile and continue to fist pump, and that energy will transfer. Uh, do it. Try it out. Go give somebody a high five. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as you know kissing a stranger or anything, but you never know that. You can get away with that in some countries. So, I'll get right into the episode here. All the show notes, it's artsynow.com forward slash 71 uh, or artsynow.com forward slash Steve Bird. You can follow me on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. I love user engagement. I really do appreciate it. I love the messages. I love the emails that I get from everybody. So, keep it rolling. And here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stickity riggity diggity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? I want to Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, get on with your bad selves, yeah. A skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo. Our guest today is using his mad painting skills to preserve all the memories for you. He will take your finest experiences and turn them into beautiful works of art. And he's also got a PhD in music. He's been up, he's been down, he's been all around. He's bringing his creative value and insights to you right now on the Entrepreneur Now. If your creative little ears hang low, you better wobble them to the front. All the way from Great Britain, everybody welcome Steve Bird. 
Steve, you are the entrepreneur now. What is happening, my friend? Oh, uh, busy getting ready for Christmas, I think, at the moment. Uh, Heath, thank you very much. It's uh, uh, one of those uh, times of year when you're never quite sure what's going to happen the next day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I try to uh, ignore it all the way up until the day, and then I figure out that I'm not prepared at all. And totally. Then just, and then it all just falls apart for a little bit, then it gets better again, and then we just move on with that. <laughs> That's right. I I just love the day after New Year. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. And that's a huge college football day out here as well. So I'm I'm actually yeah. going to be down in Florida for for New Year's this year. Going down there to see a couple oh. concerts, and it's going to be warm because where I live, it's actually extremely brutally cold and just snow and ice all winter. So it'll be a nice oh, escape. Really? Yeah, I'm totally jealous. I know, right? You got to make those decisions sometimes. <laughs> you just got to go with it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Unfortunately, there's nowhere in the UK that you can actually go down, drive down to, and get the sunshine like you can over there. Yeah, not quite as much space, but there's nope. there's lots of amazing <laughs> places within reach out there that we can't get to as well. So uh, I would love to, to make a step out there soon and check it all out. But Steve, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. you you're an amazing painter and you do these fantastic portraits and people can actually send you uh, their pictures and you will make them into just everlasting memories with these portraits. Uh, you use a lot of watercolor. Like you said, like I said in the intro, you, you have a PhD uh, in music, which is amazing. So you're a serial entrepreneur and you live this extremely creative life and you have this very unique story as far as, you were very much into music as a, as a younger guy, and, and you got into art, and then you had this big 10-year gap um, where you had a mediocre career in the theater and a one broken marriage, and then you looked back and realized that you hadn't really done much, and you wanted to get back into learning how to paint again and learning uh, what works best was taking photographs and painting them up. So you've had this adventure doing that and you've been doing it since March this year. So do you want to start by diving into that and what triggered all of that? And, and I know we talked about this in the pre-chat a little bit, um, which I thought was extremely fascinating. So we can dive right in if you want. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh my goodness. Gosh, my life story in a couple of, couple of minutes. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it, it's been um, a, a long road uh, to get here, definitely. And uh, I often wished I'd actually been able to uh, stick at one thing. I think I'd have been a lot further ahead if I had. But I just seem to be one of those people who um, just try, likes to do so many different things. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. You know, my dad was a, a jack of all trades. My dad could pick, put his hand to doing absolutely anything. He wasn't a he wasn't a painter or creative or anything like that. But and I think I've inherited that sort of want to get my hands on all sorts of things, you know. So I did. I, I started off as a young man, um, wanting to. Uh, well, very young. I wanted to be an artist. I mean, when I was at school, that was what I wanted to do. Uh, do you remember uh, like your a, first childhood experience with creating anything back then? Oh goodness gracious me! The young, the earliest thing I can remember doing, I must have been about oh four, something like that, four years old, five years old, and I remember sitting in front of the fire at home uh, and drawing um, like spaceships and cars and, <laughs> and all that sort of thing, but. I wasn't. I wasn't a greatly. Uh, I'd never considered myself a natural artist. You know, you see, you get these people, and they say, you know, oh, I was born with paintbrushes in my hand, and I just did. You know, I, I couldn't. I, from the, a child, everybody noticed my talent and all that sort of thing. It, it wasn't really like that for me. Um, when I, w I went to secondary school, um, I um, was very much sort of art was very much one of those dull also ran subjects uh, for the first couple of years. They, we'd sit in the art room and they'd put some pots and pans and bottles in front of us and give us a stick of charcoal and a piece of paper and say, there you are, draw those. And then the art teacher would go outside for a fag and we wouldn't see for two hours, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, all of a sudden, I think it was a big turning point for me and where I really discovered art uh was what we would call the third year of secondary school. So it's about eighth grade or something like that, ninth grade or something 
for you over there. Uh, and suddenly uh, we got a new art teacher, a guy, Mr. Simcock, uh, Frank Simcock, his name was. We didn't know that then. Teachers didn't have first names in those days. Um, but he was absolutely a wonderful wonderful teacher and a wonderful man that suddenly the art room was the place to be and everything just lit up color was everywhere you walked into the art room over the door was this giant hot dog <laughs> six foot long hot dog over the sculptured over, over the door and there on the wall i can still see it on the right hand side was this life-size collage of rita hayworth as gilda doing the glove strip yeah. Right, absolutely everything just and all of a sudden I couldn't do anything but spend the rest of my time at school in, in the art room and um, you remember, which so made you, everything you remember yeah. that as a child which is fascinating because Very much, I think yeah. the way that a teacher um, interacts with his students is one of the most important things that's overlooked in this in this entire world all the time and I remember the same totally. thing I have specific teachers that I had when I was younger that really related and really actually got to the bottom of what was what was triggering, you know, a child. You, you, you have to live through creativity as a child, and it, it is huge in the way that you will develop as a person throughout the rest of your life. And when you get stuck in these art classes with these people who have no passion, no value, they're there to get the paycheck, they don't really care where you're going. I mean, it's completely different than when you get in a setting like this and you actually solve the possibilities of creating which totally. can be the most magical thing in the world. Definitely. I had no idea that I could do anything artistic at all until he came along. <laughs> and he just opened my eyes to everything. Um, I thought art was just a boring thing that, you know, sitting drawing pots and pans with a piece of charcoal. Um, and But he, you know, from that moment, really, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an artist. Um, I remember um, being uh, around about 15, 16 years old when we move on to uh, this, what we call the sixth form over here. Um, and you had to go and visit the careers officer. You were, mm. We never met the guy before. And we didn't even know we had one. But we had this guy whose job it was to sort of move you on. And we all queued outside his office. And I went in and I sat down and he said, right, okay, um, so what do you want to do when you leave school? And I said, I want to be an artist. And he looked at me puzzled and he said, what sort of um, commercial artist, uh, sort of advertising or, uh, I mean, working in the potteries? I mean, around here uh, in Stoke-on-Trent, where I'm from, this is where all the pottery for the world was made. Um for years and the main employer around here was pottery factories uh and i looked back at him and i said no no no, no. an artist you know like rembrandt and renoir and oh <laughs> well you better go to college then he says and that was the only time i ever saw him um but it was just uh something that you know around here you didn't uh you didn't naturally move into something like being an artist um uh, but um and, uh, you remember those days uh, when you're sort of it's all starting to come together. I think quite strongly, quite firmly in it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I do remember, and there's staples in my life, and I think as all creatives, it's like that. So mm. when, when you were when you when you were there, and then you got into you know how long were you in the musical career? Oh my goodness! Well, that didn't come for a while, actually. The music. Um, first of all, I got bitten by the theatre bug, and then art just disappeared out of my life. Yeah. Um, painting disappeared out of my life. I didn't do any painting for ten years, and got into the theatre. Uh, and you know, I wanted to act, and I never actually did it. I, I, I ended up getting a first job as a in stage management, and then stayed as a stage manager and a front of house manager and technical manager and all that sort of thing for 10 years and suddenly decided it was something uh, I wanted to do. Um, it was something I didn't want to do anymore. And I got into, I, just, I remembered I wanted to paint. And then I had a period of about 10 years where I just painted full time. That would be around about from the mid eighties to the mid nineties. Uh, and I, I literally just said, this is it. I'm going to be an artist, and that's what I'm going to do. And I did that. And the music came after that. Uh, 
it was one of those um, things, you know, I learned to play the guitar when I was a teenager, like a lot of people do, didn't really do much with it. Um, <clears throat> and then in the early 90s, um, I went out, I, I was at, uh, I hadn't got a guitar. I was walking through a market, uh, a local market, and there were these stalls there, and there was this battered old nylon strung classical guitar on the stall with no we've got three strings on it and i said how much is that five pounds i said all right then go on then i'll buy that <laughs> um went and bought a set of strings that cost more than the guitar and um <laughs> suddenly that was it music started to take over um my life and then for uh, goodness knows about 20 years music was uh, one of the biggest things in my life um and I, I, I had played with duos and had my own band and that sort of thing. Played a lot of blues music, which is my main love, really. Yeah, I love uh, blues. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm a uh, blues is just, just it's the one thing that sort of gets to your insides first. I think yeah. you know. There's, there's nothing, honestly, thinking about my daily procedure and just I don't want to say procedure. That's kind of a negative word, but my daily habits and routines that I go through. I don't think I could get anything done if I didn't have music. <laughs> like I've got it <laughs> playing all the time. And if it's not playing, it's playing in my head. I mean, over and over again, I basically run off of it. So it, it's something that's definitely been an important part of my life. Yeah. I, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? You, you, I think when you're a creative person, you, you're not just a painter you're not just a musician you're not i mean so many creative people so do all sorts of different different types of creativity even if you're only if you're known for one thing the i mean yeah, yeah. The, look at uh what's it ronnie wood isn't it at, at the rolling stones yeah um fantastic artist yeah. as uh, you know we all know him as a guitarist but brilliant artist um, yeah, there's quite a few uh, a very, very popular, famous musicians that are actually phenomenal artists as well, and most people don't know that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think as well, I mean, when you when you become a famous musician, you go on tour and you come back up tour, and then you have a few months maybe, well, you can do something else. You know, you've got the luxury of being able to sit and paint as well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, uh, then you fist But, you know, the, uh, the the music then took over my life really, um, uh, and I did uh, sort of band stuff and the blues stuff for quite a few years. And suddenly decided uh, I wanted the education that I never really uh, took advantage of when I was young, and decided to go to university. And uh, ten years later, I'd come out with a, a PhD. Wow! <laughs> so that was a, a suddenly another big journey. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a, so, little, a little decision that turned into a, a giant chunk of your life, which is totally, fascinating totally. because that's not what you were doing before. And I try to stress to people all the time that just because they're doing one thing now doesn't mean that they can't rebuild their life to do something completely different if they just put their mind to it and stay persistent. Yeah, t totally. I mean, I, I went uh, to Keele University here in England uh, and um, they're into – uh, very much sort of uh, electroacoustic music and electronic music and, and all that sort of thing, uh, which was something I hadn't really done much before I came here. Um, but um, that was something very new to me. So suddenly I wasn't just playing the guitar. I was working with computers and manipulating sound and doing a lot of sound production, that sort of thing. And um, I did um, a bachelor's degree. Um, then I stayed and did a master's and then a PhD. And, but, but progressively as I did that, I also got into f um, filmmaking. So oh, wow. the actual, <laughs> <laughs> so the, my, my PhD and my master's ended up really specializing in um, what I called audiovisual composition, which is um, the working with the relationships between sound and visual imagery, moving visual imagery. So I would make these, uh, semi-abstract um, films uh, and then make surround sound soundtracks that worked with the uh, with the film 
Um, so that was a, a totally new, another aspect of new <laughs> of art, you know. So yeah, and that could be um, completely fascinating itself. I had a previous guest, Cliff Lynn, who who basically will take um, trailers and things that are made for high dollar movies or. Uh, other film projects and then he creates the musical compositions for him and, and it's amazing watching it and like being like wow i mean yeah. he gets the video and then he just brings it to life with that and and it's pretty cool yeah yeah that's it um and that that's what i did for quite a few years uh until the last two or three years um when i've gone back to painting again <laughs> it's yeah. uh it's it's uh one of those sort of um things that I just keep going from one thing to another to another. But I, I'm I, now I'm determined I want to stick with the painting. Because yeah. really and truly, it's the one thing really that sparks me like nothing else. That uh, lights you up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm one of those people, that, it's like as a musician, I think I always love playing music more than I love listening to music, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... Uh, uh, it's but I always know that if I go to an art gallery, I'm going to be enthralled. I'm going to stand there and get something in an art gallery that I won't get anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. It's always a fascinating experience. Totally. So totally. with all, with, you know, diving into all of that, you've gotten to a point now where you've brought the painting back and you've kind of unwrapped this, uh, something that not everybody's doing out there where, where you're allowing people to send them, send you their photos and then you're painting them up and you set a very high goal when you first started doing this in March. Um, yeah. and we're all about goal setting here and figuring out how to get to and reach your goals. So do you want to talk about that? And, and it, if you met that goal and if not, what you're going to do differently next time to do it and, 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 uh, yeah. bring some of that value back to the listener. Yeah. Uh, well, um, back in, uh, May this year, at the end of May, May the 31st this year, I got married. And um, we haven't, uh, we've had, you know, we haven't got a lot of money. We haven't, uh, we're not particularly wealthy or anything. And uh, I thought, we, you know, we're going to get married. We could do this, I'd at least like, at least like to have a nice wedding and a nice honeymoon and all that sort of thing. And back in March, I suddenly thought, I know, I've got an idea. This idea came to me. Um, which gave me a target. I got a, a literal two-month target. Um, and I thought, well, I, I paint these paintings. I've been painting, uh, as you say, from photographs. I like to paint from photographs um, for years. Why can't I paint from other people's photographs? And um, I've been sort of dabbling with trying to get social media working for me as an artist, as I like, I think many, many people are. And uh, I suddenly thought, well, okay, why not say to the people on Twitter and Facebook, send me your pictures and I'll paint from your pictures and we'll do it as a project. I'll try and raise the money for my wedding and my honeymoon <laughs> uh, by painting 50 paintings in that two-month period between the 31st of March and the 31st of May when I got married. Did I make it? Not quite. Yeah. I always shot by about two weeks. <laughs> it was a much bigger um, thing than I ever thought it would be. Uh, but I said to people um, at that time, as part of this project, this specific project, I will paint watercolors, seven by five inch watercolors, which is, the, I, I, I chose the size because that's the limit of what I can do in one day. Because the pictures are are really quite detailed, I think you see if you've seen them on the internet, you'll you'll see there's a lot of detail goes into them. So yeah, they're insanely detailed do... to the point where you would think that they were much much larger than that. I know it's 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 a strange thing when you see things on the internet and in books. You're not quite sure how big things are, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I, when we went on honeymoon, which I'll, maybe I'll talk about in a in a minute. Uh, I saw some of the most wonderful. French Impressionist paintings that I've always loved and was absolutely amazed by the size of some of them. I mean, totally, I've seen them like tiny little pictures and books for years and there they are in front of me, huge, yeah. and strange. But so I do these, um, 
limit the size to seven by five um, in watercolor. And I said to people, right, okay, send me your pictures. I'll choose what I paint. So I might paint your picture or I might not. But if I do paint your picture and you like it, you can buy it if you want to. You don't have to. It's no obligation. You, you can just watch me paint it. And then each day in the morning, around about 10 o'clock in the morning, I would post the initial drawing of the, um, of the, of the painting. And then as the day went on, as I completed a little bit more and a little bit more, I would post on Twitter and on Facebook and on Pinterest and Google Plus and all these little, all these different social media, I would post the stages so people could follow. So a lot of people were following that never even sent uh, pictures in, but they would be there and they'd be saying, Oh, that's great. Oh, I really like that. Keep going and all this sort of thing, which uh, so drove the thing on uh, quite a bit. I mean, this uh, is sort of like a, a digital live painting in, in steps. And what you're doing is you're engaging the audience, and, and when you start doing that, that's that's exactly how you can get to where you want to be as far as uh, building an audience and, and building a following. And I think that that's probably worked found, out a little bit for you. Yeah, I've always found that people respond to you best when they somehow see what you're doing, Yeah, when they can actually see you doing it. When I painted uh, back in the 80s, 90s, um, what I eventually ended up doing was doing portraits on the street. Um, you know, you see people in cities and everything sitting, drawing people, tourists on the street and all that sort of thing. Uh, well, it's not something that you see very much in the north of England. Um, down in London, yeah, you get these guys doing it, but in the north of England, you don't see anybody doing it, really. Um, and so I took to the streets in a candy-striped blazer and a big straw hat and set the easel up in the street. And I used to sit and draw people in the street. And because people can see what you're doing and they can see you do it, I would have boards by my side saying, I also do this. And I can paint pictures for you and I will paint your dog or your child or your horse or whatever. Um, and a lot of my work came literally because people could see me and talk to me. And it's that getting out there amongst the people. Uh, and so what I've been trying to do this, this time is a similar sort of thing, only globally with social media. It's got its ups and downs. Some <laughs> aspects of it work better than others. Um, yeah, it's a completely different animal, but but the potential is unbelievable. And I think a lot of artists, um, you know, they struggle through every day. They, they go places. They might do some paintings outside somewhere. They might go and show their artwork and try to sell it on the street. But the engagement with the internet is literally unlimited potential. And if something doesn't work out, there's another 300 million people right after that, that could potentially uh, be interested in what you're doing and find it fascinating and intriguing. And if you, if you apply the right methods and if you just stay persistent with it, it's, it's amazing the things that can unfold when using the internet and the internet's still just a baby, Steve. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, but even in the the sort of way that it is at the moment, it's finding the ways to actually meet these people on the internet is I think probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. Yeah. Um, initially with the, the initial project that I did, uh, over the two months, it seemed to roll along really quite well. I mean, I painted out of the 50 paintings that I did, I sold, I think 32. Wow. Which is not bad. It was yeah. not bad going, really. It paid for uh, our wedding and it paid for uh, five days in Montmartre in Paris <laughs> for the it's a honeymoon. You know, wonderful. Part honeymoon and part Stephen's art filled pilgrimage. Um, but it, it, it was going quite well. And I suppose this is actually, in many respects, though. Um, um, there's been there's ups and downs and the struggles. Probably one of the most productive periods uh, as an artist that I've ever had. I think I must have painted now since March, uh, going on for about seventy paintings, which is is definitely more than I've ever painted before. Um, 
and of lots of different types, you know, which is great. <laughs> but you've uncovered this niche where, where you can make this nice, sustainable living doing this. And a lot of artists, one of their biggest struggles is, well, I love doing this, but there's no way I can support myself. And you've, you've sort of figured out a way to, to at least make a foundation for that. And it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. it's a process, right? And you were talking about the hardest thing for you was figuring out a way to meet these people on the internet. And there's so many different yeah. ways to go about doing that. And you've got your website up, which is good. And you, and you're engaging on Twitter, which is actually how we connected, I believe. That's right. Yeah. And a, a huge method for me. I mean, I also use Twitter as a platform to find amazing artists to bring on the show, just like you. And, there's there's all sorts of different ways to do it, but one way I can tell you is I took, you know, so this platform Artsy Now is actually a fairly new thing. I've only been doing it for a couple months, and when I launched a Twitter account, um, you know, it didn't have any followers, and it's not the easiest thing to gain followers on Twitter, right? No. Definitely. And so one thing that I figured out can actually boost your audience is um, there there are certain tools out there that will show you the people. Like one that I use is called Just Unfollow, Steve. And it, it, yeah. it'll actually show you the people that are not <coughs> following you, that you're following, right? And yeah, I use you a can, similar tool. Yeah, and you can set these messages. And I don't want to say this in like a spammy way, but I have direct message that will send out to the people that follow me. And it's not like, hey, you need to download this and it's going to change your life. It's more like, are you an artist? Are you a musician? Are you a creative? I would like to connect with you if you are. And I get a lot of engagement back between that because artists and creatives, they do like to share what they're, you know, what they're creating. And it's a fascinating oh, thing. Yeah. And that, and when I initiate those conversations, that could lead to bringing somebody on my show that could lead to linking them to my site where they could find value in all these amazing interviews. And it's a perfect way to grow. And since doing that, I mean, I went, I went from like 300 followers to, uh, I think I'm around 3000 now, just in a couple months. So it's yeah. pretty fascinating. It it, it it is. I mean, I a strange thing is uh, when I did the uh, the paint your life project, where I got people were sent me, a lot of people sent me photographs. I got a lot. I got far more photographs sent to me than I could actually paint. <laughs> when I started that, I literally had three followers on Twitter. Yeah. I, I had no, I had nothing right at the very beginning. By the end of the couple of months, I'd got five hundred followers on Twitter. And out of those 500 followers, I'd managed to get most of the work that I'd done. Um, yeah, even though I was using. You got, I think you're close to like, what, 4,000 now, 3,500? Uh, around about 3,500, yeah, now, something yeah. like that. Uh, but there's, to be honest, there's less work coming out of the 3,500 than came out of the 500. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it's, it's, it's one of those. It's a strange thing. It's the same with Facebook as well. I, I use Facebook groups a lot. Mm-hmm. To to show my work and to promote to promote my, promote my work, getting other artists to look at your work is the easiest thing in the world. As soon as you put your work, art out there, as soon as you put out what you're doing, all of a sudden all these other artists want to be your friend, <laughs> which is great. And I've got, I've made some really nice contacts. Um, there's a, a really nice. A uh, lady called uh, Sandy Blass, who is an artist over in uh, in Canada, and she commissioned her. She sent me a couple of the pictures for my project of her son and her daughter, and I painted them for her. And she's got them on the wall now, over in uh, I think it's Vancouver. She's in, uh, and I follow her and I look at her work and see her work as we go. Um, there's another artist that I met very early on, uh, uh, a lady named uh, Alison Jardine. Uh, who posts her work to Twitter constantly. Uh, and she does beautiful, big, uh, abstract um, paintings, big abstract canvases. She's got something like 70,000 followers. She's wow. been doing Twitter for about four or five years. And she must be, I think, one of the most successful artists on Twitter. And she contacted me really early on when I put some of my work on Twitter and was really, really helpful. She gave me a lot of good advice. And other artists and people, there's a, a guy named Ian McKendrick who does a, has a website called Watercolor Journey who was very, very helpful. He's a, a social media uh, expert as well. 
and he gave me all this free advice uh, early on. And people have been really, really helpful and really friendly. What was some of the and, What was some of the most useful advice that you got from them that really helped you out? I think the most useful advice were was was actually to engage with people, uh, mm-hmm. not just saturate the internet with uh, buy this, do this, get this, get one free, and all that sort of thing, you know, but to actually do your best to engage with people, which is why the uh, whole notion of saying, well, this is a project that I'm doing. You don't have to buy my painting. You can, I'll paint your picture for you and you can just watch me do it. And all that sort of thing. And posting as I went along, that's worked because people would then say, Oh, it's looking great, Steve. It's really nice. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching it. Then you, reply to them so you've got a conversation going yeah and that's huge right totally it's the people that you get a conversation going with that you get a rapport with that become your customers Mm -hmm. you build that the other people just watch insanely insanely um beneficial when they have that trust level and you start building that conversation with them Uh, um people people tend to in the history and it's built into our consciousness is, is if somebody does something and it triggers engagement with us and it involves us, like you're painting their pictures, right? And they're yeah. seeing this and you're not charging them or anything. But when they see this, they start to fall in love with it. They start to fall in love with the process. And there's a good chance that once they're done, if they've been engaging with you, they're going to end up buying that, that portrait from you. Yeah. Uh, that was the whole uh, idea behind it was that they would watch it and they would see it grow and and then they'd want it you know they, you want them to want it we all want people to want what we produce don't we um i think uh I don't, there's a wonderful quote from uh renoir um yeah we love renoir's quotes. yeah well renoir's son uh jean renoir who was a, a film director a famous film director uh wrote a wonderful book about his father called renoir my father and uh, I've got a really old tatty copy of it. I've had it for years. And in there, he says, uh, he quotes his father as an old man saying, there is only one compliment worth paying to an artist. And that is to take out your checkbook and buy his work. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's the biggest, that is the biggest one. We can all, we all love compliments and we all people like the, the likes on Facebook and the, retweets and, the, and all that sort of thing but we all the biggest compliment is when people buy your work because you know that they want it enough to exchange it for their hard-earned cash um yeah, and and that feeling you know, is when, amazing yeah it is it is i remember selling my first painting uh back in the in the 80s the first time i i uh, uh sort of had a bit of an art career uh and i remember i sold it for 18 pounds and i thought i'd i made it that was it that was a <laughs> wonderful thing you know 18 pounds i got somebody gave me money for my painting you know um and then you get little little stages where you know about a year later i saw my first painting for 500 pounds and i thought yeah wow that's you know the next wow. stage you know <laughs> that's a step up right that's it. Uh, bit at a time, bit at a time. But <laughs> going back to the social media thing, the the most difficult thing uh, I find is, isn't is the fact, that, like I say, it's easy to engage with other artists and great. Um, it can be a great support network, but the people that we want to engage with are not the artists; they're the non-artists, mm-hmm. because artists in general don't buy paintings, because artists don't have the money to buy paintings or they they paint paintings the people we want to find are the people who might want to buy the paintings and they're much more difficult to engage with because you don't they're looking at other things and so the thing that has got that i realized that i needed to do uh i looked back to my earlier career as an artist um the thing that really turned things around for me back in the 80s uh, was just an idea that I had that I would, it was a similar sort of idea to this. I decided that I would paint 
what I called action portraits at the time. I'd paint people doing things. I'd paint people doing sports, and I painted people. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'll do some examples. So I did some sample picture paintings. I did someone riding a, a motorbike. I did someone fencing. I did someone shooting. I did, uh, I did one or two horse pictures. Uh, people ride, actually riding horses. Um, and I thought, okay, I've got these. I need to show them to people. And uh, we have these things over here. I don't know whether you have them uh, over in the States, but we have these horse meetings. We call them point-to-points. Um, and they're usually run by um, hunts, fox hunts, which, of course, are banned over here now. Um, <laughs> but in part of the hunting season where they're not hunting, Outside that season, they have these races. And uh, I I said, well, I haven't got the money to What kind of, what kind of races are there. they? They're horse races. It's, it's, it's basically um, uh, steeplechase, what they call steeplechase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I live, yeah? I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, which is the horse capital of the world. And we've got Keeneland here, which is the most historic racetrack. And they just had the, a couple years ago, they actually had the World Equestrian Games here. And so Churchill Downs is is just about an hour away as well, and then of course Steeplechase and all of that is, uh, yeah. is we're on this side of the pond also. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what that what they do? They the hunt organize a big meeting each year, and they have this point to point racing day. Uh, and I rang and I said, look, I, I got in touch with them. And I rang them up and I said, look, I can't afford one of you, a stall or anything there. I've got no money. But do you mind if I set my a couple of uh, stands up behind my car in your car park mm-hmm. and show people what I do? And they said, yeah, all right, that's okay. No skin off our nose. So I went along and I set up the, the Land Rover uh, with a, a couple of uh, boards behind. And I hung my paintings on these boards and just stood there all day. And people came past and said, nice, uh, very nice. But nobody, nobody bought anything, nothing. And until right at the very end of the day, and this guy came looking at what I was, and he came over to me, and this normal-looking guy, and he said, actually, he said, I'm the master of the hunt, and um, we need a new print doing, a new hunting print doing. Would you be interested? Uh, yes, yes, definitely, yes. Um, he said, well, when the season starts again in September, get in touch with me. Okay, fine. Oh, thank <laughs> you very much. So a few months went by waiting for the season to start again. And uh, I remembered, I thought, okay, I'll follow this up and I got in touch with him. And he commissioned me at that point um, to paint this large watercolour of of, of uh next year's point-to-point, to actually go along to the point-to-point and to produce um, what it turned out to be the biggest group portrait I've ever done. There's something like 40 portraits on this painting uh, that I compiled, and everybody and every horse on this painting is a portrait and recognisable. Um, they turned it into uh, a print, and they sold prints to everybody on the hunt, and they gave the the painting to the retiring chairman of the hunt. But the, the magic part of that, from that was that when I went along, they said, okay, go along to the, I said, right, I need a deposit. I need a retainer for this. And they said, go to the um, treasurer and collect, um, uh, collect the deposit. So I went along to the hunt treasurer who happened to be at a riding school, a local riding school where they took horses at livery. And I went in to take the deposit and came out with three more commissions. <laughs> and I thought, well, hey, this is amazing, you know. And then the, the guy from the riding school said, do you, give, do you give lessons? I said, yes, okay, yes, I give lessons. So I gave, I started to give him art lessons. And then one day he said, I've had an idea. What we'll do, we're going to have an, an evening for you at the riding school. Uh, and We'll have a party in our apartment and we'll invite all the people who've got their horses at livery and we'll hang you, take all our paintings off the wall and hang your paintings on the wall. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Great idea. I went to this thing. I hung my paintings off the wall. They invite all these people. I did nothing for two hours but sit and write out commission forms. <laughs> and I walked out with 
che- a th- over a, a thousand pounds worth of checks in my pocket just from deposits. <laughs> this is amazing, yeah. <laughs> and from that one chance meeting on a car in a car park behind my Land Rover, I got I reckon I got over forty paintings. Wow! Just from that one meeting. How amazing like, is that? I mean, it's just it out there. You, know? you meet the one. You meet one person and initiate one conversation, and and think about like all of the doors that it can open up for you just in a yeah. series of events. And I stress that all yeah. the time. Like people are so scared. Uh, you know, I used to be an introvert as well, and I was very scared to get out and talk to people and let them know what I did. But once you start doing that, it doesn't matter how many people ignore you or, or don't respond or, or tell you no. There's going to be that one person that says yes. They they love what you're doing and they want to help you get to where you want to be doing it. And they will yeah. open up one door for you. And then when you get through that door, it just starts. You know, it's just like one after another starts slamming open. And That's it's it. amazing what it can turn into. The most important thing is to be in the game. Yeah, you, it's like that you've got to be in it to win it thing. You know, it if you're not in the game then you've got no chance of getting anywhere. And the, the most, I think the most difficult part is sticking with it a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. I, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this recently and I was thinking it's like a game of, uh, do, you, do you have snakes and ladders in the States? Yes. The board game. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it, it's like a game of snakes and ladders and you go along and you've just got to get on the rungs of the ladder and keep going and start climbing. And, You'll have these periods where you get on a good ladder and it takes you a long way up. And then all of a sudden, you'll hit a snake and down you go again. <laughs> but if you keep going, the progression is steadily higher and higher. You, you never, unless you're very, very unlucky, fall back to where you were before. You were always going steadily upwards. And you're aiming to get on those top ladders, on those top rungs. It can be a, it's a slow process, but the the most important thing is to keep playing. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. Absolutely, man. A great tip of advice. One hundred percent. You have yeah. you have to just keep going. And I I don't know how many times like that brings us to another good subject. I don't know how many times I've started some kind of crazy endeavor that I've gotten ultra excited about and dived into it, and it, it ends up becoming. You know, I don't want to call it a failure because I don't really like to use that word a lot, but it, it becomes an experience. It doesn't work out though. And yeah. I can look back and say, okay, you know, I did this, I got to this point. Where did I, you know, what, at what point did I screw up to where I couldn't finish it? But then I had to start reframing my mind and thinking, well, no, this is good. I went from not doing anything to doing all of this, even though I didn't get to the main goal that I thought I was going to be, look at all this value that I got out of the situation and everything that I learned yeah. to apply to the next situation. So yeah, totally. can you think of any, like in your past with, with all these amazing things that you've been involved with, did you ever have any of those uh, quote unquote failures that really sticks out that helped you build uh, onto <laughs> throughout the rest Come of on. your career? <laughs> Loads of them, loads of them. Uh, and I think one of those things—I don't know—it's part of I think the artistic temperament thing as well. Uh, I'll get to this, I'll do these things, and I'll get so far, and I'll have a level of success, and then it won't go the way I wanted it to go, or the way I thought it was going, and suddenly I'm the biggest failure on the planet. Oh no, this is terrible, you know. And I'll have these this these awful dark sort of feelings about oh no, this is awful, it's it's all gone wrong. But somebody once gave, told me this phrase that they'd heard some somebody had come up with some therapist or something that said empowerment through despair. And I and I, it took me a while to understand what they were on about. But I I know that I found that when you hit the bottom, when it doesn't go the way you, you thought it went, at some point, something clicks inside and I go, ah, yeah, but. And then I'm back on another ladder again. I'm at the bottom of the snake, I'm back on another ladder, and I'm heading upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did all the, the, the education 
stuff that I did um, in the last few years. My goal, my aim was to be a lecturer. I wanted to to lecture. Uh, I wanted to lecture in music technology, which is my field, really. Um, I came out of uh, that system over here at probably the worst time that anybody could come out because all of a sudden we had a huge change in the education system um, and, and in the way it's all funded. And all of a sudden there was no jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and when there were jobs, there were 60 odd people applying for it. Uh, I went to, I went to, um, I went to one interview and they, there must've been 15, 16 people at the interview altogether. It was like I've been on The Apprentice, you know. Um, and steadily, I realized after all these applications that this wasn't going to happen. I'd spent all this time doing this stuff with this aim in mind, and it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then what the heck am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then I was sudden, okay, okay, out come the paintbrushes again. Let's start again. Let's see where we were, you know. Uh, and I've got the paintbrushes again. And to be honest, uh, I'm painting now better than I've ever painted, and I'm enjoying it more than I've ever enjoyed it. So each thing that you do, you might not think that uh, – you might think at some point that, oh, this is a total failure. But if you look back, you've picked up things along the, along the way that makes you who you are today doesn't it makes you absolutely because you're you know you've got more depth to your art it's just like your life is one big painting you know every single little thing that you're involved with is a different stroke and through all the detail and all the layers it becomes that into this amazingly massive colorful piece that people will be extremely intrigued with which is why i love doing this show and talking with people like you because diving into some of those strokes uh it can trigger it can trigger huge benefits and value uh, for the for the audience out there, our crazy funky little little audience. Um, and, and this is how like I love podcasts. I just I listen to them constantly, totally. all the time. And I can't tell you how much it has changed my life. So I'm so happy to be able to connect and have one of my own and, and kind of mm. push the brush back to the rest of the world and, and try to to give some value. So, uh, I, I, once again, like, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's, it's extremely fascinating. And yeah, it's great. If you, I, I know we're running short on time here, but Steve, if you had to battle Godzilla, <laughs> I was waiting for how, this question. <laughs> how do you think you will use your creativity or talent to defeat that big crazy bastard? Okay, now I knew this question was coming because you always ask everybody <laughs> this question, and I must admit, I was I, I I was there last night going, how am I going to answer the Godzilla question <laughs> what, when he asks me what am I going to say? And so I have to give a little bit of credit here, well, a lot of credit to my wife who came up with this one. So she said, well, Godzilla is here on Earth, all on his own. <laughs> He's angry, and he's frustrated. He's, he's frustrated. He needs a lady Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, all he wants. So uh, using the power of you know, artistic license and animation and all this sort of thing, I'm going to paint Godzilla a mate, paint him <laughs> a lady Godzilla, and then paint him a Garden of Eden so the two of them can go off in and, and have the, a, a wonderful time together. And, <laughs> You know, he'll forget about this droid, destroying New York and all that sort of thing. And uh, he'll, he'll do what we all do when uh, a beautiful lady takes her eye. We'll get distracted and we'll go off in a different direction. Yeah, right. Anything, <laughs> anything is, po- is possible with creativity, Steve. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You've got to believe. That's You've got to keep believing. Absolutely. 100%. Well, That's it. it's the whole the whole Rocky Horror Show thing. Don't dream it. <laughs> I hope you don't dress like those people. I I, I am at this very moment, definitely. <laughs> I remember I growing up. I, my mom used to watch that all the time when I was growing up, and I'd always be like, "What oh. the hell are they wearing?" 
<laughs> it's just funny, but but an awesomely creative, brilliant movie. So, yeah, oh, totally, and yeah. The, and the cult that follows it is just oh, yeah, wonderful. Huge. I mean, I I, my, I got I got a stepson. He's Matt. He's thirty years old now, but when he was about nineteen, something like that, twenty. I mean, Matt is one of the most down-to-earth people that you could ever meet. He's sort of very sort of salt-of-the-earth, sort of straightforward sort of people and everything. But he came in one day and he said, he said, you never get what, guess what's happened? You never know, guess what we did? They said, they made me go to a Rocky Horror Show thing and they dressed me up. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody at some point in their in their sort of youth at some point ends up getting dressed up in a basket stockings and garters and heading off into some Rocky horror show thing. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds, that sounds like a party to me, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's going on there, but I'm sure it is something fun that we won't tell anybody about the next day. So, Oh, that's (laughs) it. Hey, it's like, what did you do yesterday? Oh, you know, just the usual you get a set of football players together and and tell them, okay, you're going to party, you're going to get drunk, you're going to have a hard time. What they're going to do, they're going to dress up as cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, right? Totally. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve, so do you have any favorite uh, closing advice or resources or maybe artistic tools that you're a big fan of that you want to share with the crazy little listeners out there before we say goodbye? Um, I think when it comes down to resources, um, oh, now let, let's say, um, as I mentioned it before, actually, uh, the, 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 the website, uh, watercolorjourney.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, it's the English spelling of watercolor as well. You've got to put your U's in, oh, you know, oh, like you we do are. over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You put in you put the U's in. Um, and uh, it's a chap called Ian McKendrick. Uh, and he's got some really, really good advice on his website for, and his, in his blog for artists who are trying to come to grips with social media. And some great interviews as well with artists and that sort of thing. He's he's got uh, done as well. He record made recordings and done uh, great interviews and that sort of thing. And that is a, a smashing resource for uh, people who wanted to to do their really difficult thing of engaging with um, social media for the first time. Um, really, um, and 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 podcasts as well. Like you say, I I, I also listen to as many podcasts that give other people's stories um as i can there's uh you probably know uh the savvy painter podcast oh yeah yeah uh, and trees woods uh and podcast. the website that and accompanies it that's right and i listen to that every week uh because you listen to other people talking and there can be just one sentence in the whole thing that suddenly go oh yeah i can do that yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, going back to the guitar, BB King has been my hero for years and years and years. And uh, and BB King said something uh, in an interview that uh, I heard years ago, and he said, "What happened was I would go when I was learning, and I would watch other people play, and I would go home and I would try and play like them." And I couldn't. And I would get it wrong. But in getting it wrong, I would find my own way of doing it. And suddenly it wasn't theirs anymore. It was mine. And I always think that's a great sort of, a great sort of a little adage. You pick things up from other people. You see somebody do something and all of a sudden it's, um, it becomes yours. It's a part of you. And yeah. something that, yeah, that's right. It becomes yours. And all of a sudden, you know, this is, I mean, when uh, all the blues songs are ever uh, so often, they've taken a one little riff out of the song and built an entire new song out of it. You hear it all the time. It, it's um, just keep listening to other people. Keep uh, engaging with other people and keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on.
Yeah. That's what I'm talking Basically. about. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent advice. And I'll put the website link to Watercolor Journey uh, on the show notes at artsynow.com forward slash Steve Bird. Uh, so, Steve, how can our listeners find you or get in contact with you and check out your work? And, and if they want to uh, engage with you on getting one of those little portraits done, how are they How are they going to get a hold of you? Yeah, basically, uh, the website is uh, www.stevebirdartist.co.uk um, or the, on Twitter, uh, as you realize, I am at stevebirdartist. Um, Twitter is a probably one of the, the best way to get in touch with me because I, I've got TweetDeck on the screen here constantly and anything that comes up, I see it almost instantly. So, you know, um, that's a, a, a great way of engaging with me. Uh, there's Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Steve Bird Artist. Go on there and give the page a like. Um, or by email at stevebirdartist at gmail.com. Incredible. There's lots of others as well. I'm on Pinterest and I'm, I'm Instagram and all the others as well, but you know, can, go along with that. Which can be linked <laughs> uh, if you, I'm sure they can find through your through your website or other social media platforms. That's right. Type Steve Bird Artist one word into anything, and you'll probably find me. I just found you on Facebook, so everything you, that you do, you do have to be careful. Pop up on my wall. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you do have to be careful because there are other. Steve Bird's out there, and a couple of them had happened to be artists, yeah, which is very. Uh, and one of them actually comes from the same city as me. Oh, wow! Well, I will uh, tell you, I typed which, Steve Bird artist, and you were the first one to pop up. So great, and, that's exactly uh, what it's taken me a few months to get there. So I'm pleased about that. I'm looking at you. Everybody should get on here and check this out too, because he's got the different layers of the portraits that he does on here. And I'm looking at the the Volkswagen there. I think that's what that is. Um, oh, the Volkswagen Beetle, the bug. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I love that one. That's one of my favorites. I've, 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 I was a, my very first car was a bug, and I just uh, oh. when I got that commission, I thought, great. <laughs> I love I love the uh, the van, the Volkswagen van. Yeah, the camper van. That's like my. I, I would love a camper van, but oh, me too. They've got so expensive. I know. I've got to get one though. I'm. We're planning on taking hikes all around the place, and and I would love to have one of those. I love. I love those those late '70s models. There's a couple early '80s models that were pretty sweet too. That, but they didn't look as cool mm. as the as the older ones. Oh, you got you've got multiple of these. Yeah, I got a few of them. Yeah, this was another thing. This just a, I mean, before we finish here, a little bit, uh, another bit of advice when it comes to the social media thing. When I, I think I started to talk about it a while back and went a bit off track. Um, it, when it comes to engra- engaging with um, other, with people who aren't artists, it suddenly what made what I suddenly thought was actually. All that stuff I did in the 80s because I met people that were into horses. They went into paintings. They were into horses. They loved their horses. So I paint their horses, and they loved the painting because it was of their horse. And so what I do is I look for passions. I look for people, things that people get passionate about. Uh, you'll see there's paintings there of, of, of fishermen holding big fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came somebody sent me a painting of themselves uh, holding a big carp carp fisherman I and so that. that's it uh, and I've done a few of them I've done I think about four or five um, carp fishermen holding their big fish and everything but of course they've all got groups on Facebook or or, or you put it in Twitter and put hashtag carp hashtag angling hashtag fishing and you, you're trying to show what you do to people who are passionate about what they do. I join carp fishing groups. And if I do a carp fisherman painting a picture, holding a fish, I put the picture on the carp fishing website as well as on the art site. Smart. I, I, joined the, I joined the horse groups, people selling, selling horses, selling horse tax, and all that sort of thing. And I put my horse paintings onto the horse groups. VWs again. Big, big cult thing, big, um, big following. I post 
the pictures that I do with Volkswagens on the Volkswagen forums and say, this is what I do. I can paint your video for you. I can paint your van for you. I can also paint your kids if you want. You know, that sort of thing. But um, out of that comes the other paintings. Um, it's your crowd. Yeah. Somehow you've got to keep your crowd. That was the thing I learned as a, a street artist. As I, I was totally amazed. The first time I, I was sitting in the middle of Sheffield and I sat down and I, paint, I drew somebody. And I finished, and suddenly there was applause from behind. And I thought, what? what? And I turned around. There was a crowd of people watching me. I didn't even know they were there. I'd just been so engrossed in drawing, didn't know they were there. And I soon learned to real, realize that that crowd, that was my living. Yeah. And keeping that crowd, keeping that crowd there, I had to be able to do the, do the portraits quickly so that they wouldn't get bored. And so they would think, oh, there's a couple of people in front of me. There'll be, be hours, you know. Oh, no, he's going quite quickly. He goes quite fast. We can do this. We'll wait. And you start to learn on the street to play your play the crowd. And it's the same when it comes to the internet and, and engaging people on social media and everything. You've got to find your crowd and you've got to perform to them and let them see what you can do. And then maybe just one of them will come back with something else. Somebody came to me um, the other week. I was posting these pictures on uh, the carp forums of people holding big fish. And this person got in touch with me and said, yes, I'd like you to paint for me. But it was nothing to do with big fish. It was pictures of their family and everything. <laughs> just got to get out there. Yeah, it's amazing if you just start getting involved with the groups that you're supposed to be in, you find that crowd. And, and like we were talking about earlier, the doors that will keep opening is insanity. And it's just, yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you just got to keep in the game. Yeah, keep on keeping on, right, Steve? Totally, keep on keeping on. Yeah, man. Cool. Well, everybody <laughs> out there, seriously, check them out. It's awesome work. Uh, Steve, I've, I'm pumped that you were on the show. I'm pumped that you have been able to share uh, sort of your lifetime in a nutshell and, and all the amazing little value nuggets that you have. And I totally would not be opposed to having you on again in the future. And we can continue this conversation. And everybody, yeah, everybody get out there, do a little boogie, do a little jive, fist pump, smile, uh, simplify your life a little bit. Get get rid of all the distracting, materialistic things around you that you don't need because you'll be surprised what happens when you start to do that. Your attention will start shifting towards building better relationships and having more intent and meaning in life. And when you have more intent and meaning in life, that is when you will find the pursuit of happiness is, acts, is absolutely attainable. Uh, so get out there, do the jive, do the boogie, break the rules, but first break the rulers. And Steve... Thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now, man. Um, always remember You're to keep welcome. it funky. <laughs> Indeed. And remember, get in the game and keep playing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Entrepreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music, well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.